the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. You can hear the program each weekday afternoon from 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and WFIL.com. AM 560 WFIL.com and on the app. Listen to the Tim DeMoss Show. Thank you for tuning in. Bit of a cloudy afternoon, a little sunshine coming through though. Cloudy side, maybe a shower tonight down to 42 tomorrow, similar to today on the cloudy and possible shower side, 53 the high for tomorrow. Flyers are finally back in action after an extended break as the NHL took time off with different cities experiencing different levels of COVID, so they just kind of canceled things for the holidays for the better part of a week or 10 days. They play at Seattle tonight. At 10, Flyers head coach Mike Yo talked about the fact that you have a whole team. You have your first line, second line, third line, fourth line, or any of them necessarily more important than another. I really like the identity of our fourth line and what they've been bringing for us. And so, obviously, Max has been out for a little bit, but with his skating ability, I expect him to come right in. And that fourth line, you know, is for me, is going to play a very important role for our hockey team. So I feel like... You know, to put Max on that line with his speed, with his energy, with his checking ability, uh, his four-check game, the way he manages the puck, I think that that's a line that we can play against any line. That's a line that we can start in defensive zone face-offs. That's a line that we can play against top lines. Um, and then you you have a third line, if if that's what you want to call it. I, I don't get caught up in the one, two, three, four, and so on. But you have, uh, you know, obviously with Reamer, Frosty and uh, and Jerry again. I, I think that they've got a bit of an identity as far as you know. They should be a group that can make plays, that can create some offense for us. You know, we can't just rely on on G every night. We can't just rely on TK. We you know, if you're going to be successful in this league, you need to find ways for all your lines to contribute. And uh, and so hopefully that uh, they, they they can provide that for us. Flyers interim head coach Mike Yo. Love the nicknames Reamer. Frosty, Jerry, sounds like a law firm. Reamer, Frosty, and Jerry. So Mike uh, Morgan Frost, I should say, uh, he referenced there, what Coach Mike Yo did, uh, was also talking a little bit about if he thinks playing with Jerry Mayhew, who is going to be coming up tonight to make his debut for the season. Uh, They played the minors together, had some good chemistry in the minors. Does Frost think that that'll be a plus for them as they play together this evening for the Flyers? I think so. I mean, him and I are pretty good friends off the ice, too. And uh, I think, like you said, we had some we had some good success down in the minors. And uh, he's definitely a goal scorer. And, uh, you know, I like, to, I like to find him. So hopefully we can find some success up here, too. Morgan Frost of the Flyers. Again, they play at Seattle tonight at 10. Seattle coached by former Flyer head coach Dave Hackstall. Sixers won last night, not to be forgotten. 114-109 over Toronto. Joel Embiid leading the way with 36 points and 11 rebounds. They're at Brooklyn tomorrow night at 7. Uh, and as you may have heard at the top of the hour in our newscast there, NFL great John Madden passing away yesterday at age 85. 
If I'm not mistaken, he was actually drafted to play football by the Eagles, but never did due to injury. Wound up coaching for about 10 years, won a Super Bowl with the Raiders, was very successful. There's a parallel here if you're an Eagles fan in the uh, 90s and 2000s, I guess, when the Eagles were making a bunch of runs to the NFC Championship game. And uh, you know that's as far as they'd get, except for the one year they made the Super Bowl and lost in 2004. Same thing for the teams that that uh, Madden coached. They actually had even more success. They went to seven AFC Championship games, only won one of them. But the time they got through, unlike the Eagles, they actually won the Super Bowl. I think it was 1976. He went on from being a coach to being a broadcaster, won a bunch of Emmys, uh, broadcast for all four major networks, and uh, has some fun sound clips from him, including a very memorable one that involves the Philadelphia Eagles. We'll get to that a little later on. Uh, in fact, let, I'll give you one of them. For, for example, uh, when one, one of the Eagles teams that they used to you know, play, one of their big rivals, Dallas Cowboys, uh, he, this is a game where Madden and Pat Summerall, one of his longtime broadcast partners, he's talking about <laughs> uh, Nate Newton from the Cowboys and the steam coming off his head. See, see, see how heat does come out of the top of your head? Look at it, just coming off of Nate's head there. That's where it escapes. If you have heat in your body and you want to let it out, you take your hat off. Yeah. You know, what you could do is, is you could have a barbecue on that head. Nate's got a lot of room to let it out. Yeah. I mean, you could cook like some burgers on there. Look at Now you're talking. I mean, this is football. When you yeah. got steam coming out of your head, and your mouth, now you're talking football. You're controlling that offensive line. This is what it's all about. It's a playoff game. If you win, you go to the championship. Well, what are you talking about? That kind of sums up John Madden in a lot of ways. A lot of fun. Talks about the playoffs. Does some football analysis. Of course, he was very, very good at that. And uh, the word boom had to be in there. So in any case, he passed away yesterday, age 85. have a few thoughts I want to share about that. Also kind of in conjunction with another... Uh, topic today, have a, a, a special guest. Her name is Abigail Linville. She is with the Andy Griffith Museum in Mount Airy, North Carolina. And for quite a while, she and I were emailing and trying to set up an interview with Betty Lynn. If you've watched the program, Betty Lynn was Thelma Lou, the longtime girlfriend of Don Knotts, who, uh, you know, played Barney Fife on the show, Deputy Barney Fife. Uh, Betty Lynn passed away in October, and so we never got that interview to happen. We had hoped to have it happen, so this is the next best thing, and also kind of an informative conversation, I hope. If you're thinking of doing a little road trip next year, perhaps the Andy Griffith Museum in Mount Airy, North Carolina, would be a stop you'd like to take. Uh, it interests me, I know, and since we have a son in Florida, perhaps a trip up and down the coast would uh, allow for that to happen. Barney Fife, uh, I don't know if you've... Uh, so. And I want to cut the program off with a clip from Nick Foles, who played for the Eagles, as you may know, helped them win a Super Bowl about four years ago. And he had something really profound to say after helping the Chicago Bears win this past Sunday uh, in a last-minute rally, and they won 25-24. So, but to kind of tie it all together, um, so you'll see as as things unfold. As for... Uh, our next guest, uh, Abigail Linville, our, our first and main guest of the hour. She's coming up in a couple of minutes here. Let me just set this up with a couple of clips from The Andy Griffith Show. Uh, one of my favorite episodes of that 
is Barney Fife. Uh, when he he had a real trouble singing, he joined the choir and volunteered. And at first, the choir director thinks this is going to be great. We're missing, uh, you know, this particular part of the choir. Barney's like, I used to do it. My voice teacher used to say I was great. And so he joins the choir, but he's really off key. And this is a this is the the choir rehearsing together. Please turn to number fourteen A for our first selection. Ready, Hazel. Welcome, sweet springtime, and we greet thee in song. <laughs> Folks, I think I detected a little flat note there. <laughs> well, perhaps I'm mistaken, but let's just try it again, shall we? Hazel? Welcome, sweet springtime, we greet thee in song. No, 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 no. Shh, folks, I definitely heard it this time. Someone is definitely singing off key. Now let's just watch it, shall we? Hazel? Excuse me. Excuse me. Maybe I can help you out. I'll sort of move around, see if I can spot who it is. Very good, Barney. <laughs> Hazel? Welcome, sweet springtime, we greet thee in song. Lovers of gladness fall on the ear. Voices long hush, now their full notes prolong. Echoing far and near. Soon, I didn't have a chance to spot who it was. Keep it going. That's Barney Fife, uh, played, of course, by the one and only Don Knotts. And that's a scene from what has become known as the 14A episode. They're singing the song, Welcome Sweet Springtime. Slightly prior to that part of the that episode, uh, Betty Lynn, who played Thelma Lou, his girlfriend, was reacting to the fact that Barney was actually going to be joining the choir. This is just a very quick clip of her in conversation with Andy Griffith. My Barney? That's right. But Barney can't sing. He's a warm, wonderful person, and I love him dearly, but he can't sing. True. He's kind, considerate, good-hearted, the most gentle person I've ever known, but he can't sing. You're right. He's the man I want to marry, the man I want to be the father of my children. But he can't sing. Not a lick. That's Thelma Lou, and we'll be again in just a couple of moments here. Be joined by Abigail Linville, who knew Thelma Lou very well, Betty Lynn in real life. And uh, Betty Lynn actually used to go to the Andy Griffith Museum, I think the third Friday of every month, and meet fans and sign autographs. And uh, so, anyhow, our family's watched that show many, many times. I know, I know we're not alone, it's been around for many years. And uh, certainly family-friendly almost every time. It's something you can watch with, you know, with the kids. So uh, anyhow, I was looking forward to having her on. She passed away in October before we were able to get connected. So Abigail will share with us some memories of Betty Lynn. And again, some thoughts on John Madden as the program rolls along. And a really cool clip from former Eagle quarterback Nick Foles that I think will encourage you. You're listening to the Tim DeMoss Show today, AM 560, WFIL.com, and on the WFIL app. Thanks for tuning in to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast with AM560 WFIL and WFIL.com.
The Andy Griffith Show. Starring Andy Griffith. With Ronnie Howard. Also starring Eleanor Donahue and Don Knotts. AM560 WFIL. It's the Tim DeMoss Show. And we're very glad to bring on... Uh, Abigail Linville. She is with Surrey Arts, which is in uh, Mount Airy, North Carolina. Hi, Abigail. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Tim? Good. Thank you for taking time. This uh, Surrey Arts works with a number of things, including the Andy Griffith Museum and uh, and Mayberry Days. I know for next year and some other things. And also, you're very uh, a good friend of Betty Lynn, who played Thelma Lou, the longtime girlfriend of uh, Barney Fife and uh, Don Knotts on the Andy Griffith Show. And uh, we had originally hoped to have her on a, a while back. It didn't quite work out, and we're glad at least to be able to now have you on to share your friendship, your memories, uh, and about the museum itself, too. So um, maybe let's start a little bit with the museum, the Andy Griffith Museum and, and Surrey Arts and what work you do. Okay. Well, I am the Director of Collections and Exhibitions for the Andy Griffith Museum, uh, and the museum itself focuses on the life and career of Andy Griffith, and that's because this was his childhood home. And the building I'm actually sitting in right now is the Andy Griffith Playhouse, and in its day was Rockford Street Grammar School. So this is where Andy attended elementary school, and it's where he was on stage for the first time ever. Wow, that is a lot of fun. How did you come to the position, and how long have you been there for? I have been here just over five and five years, going on six. Okay. I came on to help with a complete remodel of the museum, uh, and so we kind of modernized everything. The collection was started by Emmett Forrest. He and Andy actually went to school here at Rockford Street Grammar School and remained friends, and Emmett uh, began collecting in the 80s, and uh, it was a very fruitful friendship, so it grew into the museum. That's interesting. And uh, just out of curiosity, as, as you're speaking, I'm thinking, how does one get into the line of work you're doing? Had you been doing other similar type of work elsewhere prior to coming to the Andy Griffith Museum? Oh, sure, sure. Yeah. My background is in museum studies, so this has been my, my career, my life career. Wow. So before I worked at a historical um, institution uh, that's just kind of talked about objects, which is lovely, and history, uh, and this, while it does the same thing, this is not only about objects and the life of Andy, but it's also about relationships because everybody who comes in here connects with Dandy Griffith Show, and it's who they watched it with and what they were doing when they watched it. And so it's not just objects, but it's wrapped up in nostalgia. Absolutely. Folks, just tuning in, we're chatting with Abigail Linville, who is with the Andy Griffith Museum, Surrey Arts in Mount or- uh, Erie, North Carolina, and some other endeavors there. But uh, talk about the museum for a second. You mentioned the artifacts and gathering them, and I'm guessing, is that still kind of a thing you'll, you'll keep your eye out for new pieces, too? But what's, what's already on hand if folks want to make a trip down? Sure. Uh, we do actively collect objects as they relate to the life and career of Andy. Um, so on view uh, are several objects that were given by Andy and Cindy Griffith. So Sheriff's shirt is one piece from the Andy Griffith show. Sure. It's a very special piece, obviously. Yeah. Uh, Andy would have said what made it special was not that he wore it, but that who made it, and that was Nudie Cohen, uh, who's known as the Rhinestone Cowboy. So it might be the simplest shirt Nudie ever made, but wow. um, it's a prize piece here. We have the original plaques, the Sheriff and Justice of the Peace plaques that you would have seen in just about every episode of the show, and those sure. are gifts from Andy. Okay. We have Don Knott's salt-and-pepper suits. Uh, that yeah. was a gift from uh, the Knotts family. 
That, that's so we a, have several objects related yeah. to the Andy Griffith show as well as Matt Locke, but all of Andy's career. Yeah, that Don Knotts suit, if I'm not mistaken, he wore in one of my favorite episodes, uh, good old 14A. Yeah. Right, where where he's uh, his voice is really off, <laughs> and uh, yeah. that's a, that's a great episode. Do you have have you had favorite episodes yourself? I'm guessing you must have uh, ones that come to well, mind. Certainly, or? one of my favorites is dogs, dogs, dogs. Yeah, and if folks know it, they know what I'm talking about. It's just fabulous writing in the show. It's such an obscure statement that Barney makes when he's trying to comfort Opie about the dogs being out in you know in the thunderstorm and they'll be okay uh, because they take the big ones take care of the little ones and then he has that wonderful statement that you know they're not like giraffes giraffes are selfish Um, (laughs) so it's just fabulous so that is one of my favorites but i just posted for the museum today and and one of my um other favorites is um barney and thelma loof so it's the end of their supposed relationship briefly. Yeah, yeah. Well, and maybe that's a good segue to, to talk about uh, Betty Lynn, a good friend of yours, very good friend, who I understand would make appearances at the museum over the last few years uh, regularly so folks could actually get a chance to meet her and speak with her. She did. She did. Up till COVID, uh, it was about the f- February of 2020. That was her last visit to the museum. Um, and she would come and greet fans the third Friday of every month. And um, she could have anywhere, uh, anywhere from 200 to 600 people, depending on the time of the year, uh, waiting to meet her. And I can tell you that uh, she was as kind to number 600 as she was number one. She was just a lovely, lovely person and dearly missed. Yeah. What did you, as you got to know her over those years, uh, what did you get to know? Because on screen, it sounds like maybe she was very similar off screen. Uh, but would that basically be the case and, and or other things you got to appreciate about her? Uh, well, I did have the luxury of sitting down and talking to her about life on the set, uh, life in Hollywood and working on her films, not just the Andy Griffith show, but other projects she yeah. did. Um, actors she was good friends with. Um, and I really enjoyed just talking to her about just life, what life was like for her. Um and I loved the fact that she was in the USO, and that's really, uh, she was just so passionate and cared so much about the work she did um, on the China-Burma Road. And she was out and about in some unsavory places, obviously, yeah. and uh, kind of singing and performing for the troops. And so we have this wonderful collection of letters that are from soldiers, and, and that. Um, just speak to her character and how blessed they were to have her come by and and lift their spirits and she was just yeah she she it embodied Thelma Lou there's yeah. no doubt it was a perfect role for her because it was her. Folks tuning in, we chat with Abigail Linville with uh, Surrey Arts and the Andy Griffith Museum in Mount Airy, North Carolina. We're speaking about Betty Lynn, who passed it back in October and played the role of Thelma Lou on uh, the Andy Griffith Show, beloved uh, program for many many years. But what you were just saying is very interesting. I, I didn't realize uh, how much she had done prior to the Andy Griffith show because that's where I got – that was my introductory point. But to your point, when she was a teenager, I think she did the USO touring and then was in a bunch of films. She, I think she was in the original Cheaper by the Dozen, uh, mm-hmm. among others, right? So uh, it's inter- – and it's also interesting. I read or I saw somewhere that she said about you know Don Knotts, who, whose girlfriend she was on the show with Barney Fife – that he actually was not what you would think. 
that he would off, and maybe you, you guys talked about that, but that he was actually much more calm and kind of quiet or shy, uh, but yep. he took on that role when he was Barney Fife, that he's not like crazy guy off screen. Mm-hmm, that's correct. Uh, she said that often because uh, a lot of folks wanted to know what he was like, and she would be, um, you, know, you know, very straightforward and say uh, off camera. He was very calm. He would, um, he was funny, uh, but the opposite of of Barney. He was a good actor, and so he turned it on for the camera. <laughs> well, yeah, he got us, got me fooled for sure. Where, <laughs> where do you think um, Betty's kindness came from? That that disposition if you will. Oh, my. Uh, She spoke so fondly and lovingly of her grandfather and grandmother, and especially her mother. She was extremely close to her mother, Elizabeth Lynn. And they just instilled in her just absolute kindness and gratitude. And, um, you know, that's that's the root of it. Uh, Just very sweet spirit. you know, yeah, it's the best way to describe her. She's sweetness is usually how I say it. She's just sweetness. <laughs> yeah. Now, and so uh, one other thought, kind of going back to the the Betty Lynn that you got to know. Um, I always love you know being gracious and paint, try to paint a good uh, picture. And it sounds like that's who she was anyway. But is there anything about Betty Lynn that you know you had the chance to get to know her so well and spend so much time and. Even if folks got to be in line to meet her and had some time with her, they're only going to have that one little slice, perhaps, or twice if they come back to the museum. Uh, is there any kind of other, whether it's a story or something she shared with you or just uh, just about her as a person that people would gain a little insight into, you know, a, a, a positive facet of her life? Uh, where do I begin? <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, my. She loved uh, the Dodgers. I can tell you that. She loved baseball. Really? And um, she was an avid baseball fan. Um, but as far as her career goes, when I t- would talk to her, we would talk about people she knew and just instances. You know, I would ask her if she knew so-and-so or so-and-so. And um, so she was telling me one time that she met Ronald Reagan. Hmm. Of she's very young, and he's young, too. And he came up and wanted her to babysit for his kids. Um <laughs> And then she was at a party, and she met uh, John Wayne, and she was sitting down on a a set of stairs, and she said, John Wayne just came up and sat down beside of her and started talking. Wow. Um, So, yeah, little little nuggets like that. I get to talk to her, or I was able to talk to her about life on the set. So she was very informative because I give tours and I talk about Andy and I talk about the set and I answer a lot of questions about the Andy Griffith show as best I can. I'm certainly not um, uh, the guru (laughs) of the Andy Griffith show, but she certainly became my primary source to answer questions that folks had um, and just giving me a glimpse um, as to what life was like. Uh, on the set for the Andy Griffith show. She was also in Matlock in the first season. So Andy was always very good about bringing in fellow castmates into his other projects. And so she was in that show as well. And so she was able to just give me insight, um, my primary source. That's really neat. Well, if folks want to see uh, the fruit of that, right, the the museum is open, I understand, every day except a couple days out of the year. Yes, uh, every day except for Thanksgiving and Christmas. 
Okay. So is there a best way to find out more particulars about the museum? And if, again, you know, Philadelphia is not that terribly far from you. It's a, it's a one, you, folks make it in one long little road trip if they want to, or if they want to plan their, my wife and I have been talking about, so what are we going to do next year with the kids? We don't want to go here or there. And maybe you incorporate that into your plans for next year. So uh, is there a best way to find out about, you know, what's happening with the museum? And there's, a, there's an event next fall, I think, too. Sure, sure. Uh, well, I will always say Mount Airy, North Carolina, and North Carolina in general is a good stop for anybody passing, you know, on their way through. Yeah. Uh, it's a good stop. Um, we have our Mayberry Days Festival in September. So that's always the last weekend in September. And you can go to MayberryDays.org uh, to find out who's going to be here. We do have special guests from the show who are able to join us. Okay. They are um, at the festival. We have concerts and comedy shows. It's all gear, geared around family fun and the Andy Griffith Show. Uh, so very family-friendly. The museum, like I said, it's open every day except for Thanksgiving and Christmas. Um, we, uh, you know, I recommend, you know, checking out our Facebook page. That's where the most of the information gets uh, posted fast. Okay. So Facebook or Instagram. Uh, but you can also go to our website, which is andygriffithmuseum.org, uh, or the Surrey Arts Council. Surrey Arts Council is our umbrella, and we have a lot of activities going on throughout the year. Okay. Now, that's all, that all sounds great. And, and as far as Betty Lynn goes, she – I was just curious as you're talking there, her appreciation of, I guess, being appreciated. Like she's the, Some of the videos I've seen, she's – I mean, all of them, really. She seems very uh, – just grateful like you know i this meant 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 a lot to her rather than i'm betty lynn it was more like i'm so glad that i could be part of your life and and i'm sure you see fans of all ages appreciate i know our whole family watches the show from myself i'm 53 and our youngest is 11 and we all watch it together yeah she was very appreciative she had no idea and none of them did let's be honest when the show was in production that, that it would be on for 61 years and that it would have such staying power and such legs to it. They had no idea. She had no idea she would be Thelma Lou basically forever. Um, <laughs> right, right. So, but was extremely grateful and loved her fans, uh, loved talking uh, to folks about the show um, and sharing with them. So she was an absolute joy. And as I had mentioned earlier, she's terribly missed. Yeah. Um, and, you know. Did she ever write at all? Like, do, is there any documenting of her, you know, in or or any kind of writing or book or journaling or things? That... Yes, um, a book actually had begun. Uh, it was in the process before she passed. Okay. Uh, so, yes, just keep your eyes out for that. Okay. Um, yeah, I would say within the next year, year and a half, it will, will be out. Okay, mm-hmm. that's good. Yeah. Abigail Linville has been kind enough to spend time with us today, again, with Surrey Arts, based in Mount Airy, North Carolina, and certainly very much part of the Andy Griffith Museum. And we'll post the links that you mentioned in our podcast description so folks can go through there if they didn't have a chance to jot down while we're chatting. Very sorry for your loss of your good friend. And thank you for taking time to share about her. Well, thank you. It's my pleasure. Love to talk about Miss Betty. Absolutely. Abigail, have a great rest of your day and Happy New Year. You too. Thank you so much. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. It's Abigail Linville with the Andy Griffith Museum in Mount Airy, North Carolina. Originally got to know her through email, trying to set up a, an interview with Betty Lynn, who played Thelma Lou, the girlfriend of Barney Fife on The Andy Griffith Show. Just wasn't able to work it out, and a lot of that had to do with COVID, and Betty Lynn passed, unfortunately, this past October after uh, being sick for a bit. And so uh, I still wanted to honor her and um, 
Abigail certainly fits that bill by knowing Betty Lynn that long and being able to speak on her behalf and shed some insight and certainly as someone who's very connected to the Andy Griffith Museum. So glad to have had that conversation happen at last. You are listening to The Tim DeMoss Show on AM560, WFIL.com, and on the WFIL app. It's The Tim DeMoss Show podcast, available at WFIL.com. Thanks for listening. AM560, WFIL.com on the app. You're listening to the Tim DeMoss Show. Thanks for tuning in. Looking forward to being joined shortly by Rob Motti, who's a writer for the Associated Press. Was in this market for many years, covering the Phillies, uh, Flyers, Eagles, and others for a couple decades. And also uh, other sports as they were needed, covered Super Bowls and and with the passing of John Madden yesterday, wanted to have him on the program. But also, kind of as we head to the end of the show, I want to cap off some thoughts uh, that we're doing today uh, with some scripture out of Romans chapter 10. So we'll get to that in a bit. But when I found out John Madden passed away, I found out last night that, that, that it happened. And, you know, for me, uh, having grown up watching a lot of football, uh, certainly couldn't miss his voice as he was on all the major networks for better part of several decades started off with cbs i think then he went to fox then to abc and then nbc was with pat summerall for a long time and then al michaels for a while and uh so just kind of in his honor because just an amazing broadcaster and and some folks are saying like jerry jones the owner of the cowboys said that uh madden was the most important person in nfl history or, or something along those lines like there's there's no greater representative and he embodied so much because he won a Super Bowl as a head coach with the Raiders back in the 70s and what he did for broadcasting and all that. We'll talk to Rob about that more. But just to hear his voice right here, uh, one of the things he's certainly known for is his turducken thing, which is a turkey. I think it's a, I think it's a chicken stuffed and a turkey stuffed and a, a chicken stuffed and a duck stuffed and a turkey or one of those combinations. And he would often have that on hand during the broadcast. Here's his ex- explanation with Pat Summerall. This is a turducken right here where we got – D-boned duck stuffed in a D-boned chicken stuffed in a D-boned turkey with stuffing. Now you're talking. And that has eight legs. The leg's got to have a bone, doesn't it? It can't be deboned if it's got legs. <laughs> no, then we put the legs on it, too. See, and you just kind of cut this right down the middle, and then you cut sideways, and you get a little turkey and a little chicken and a little duck. Now that's there. That, that's turducken. Then over there, we have the turkey. We got one leg, two legs, three legs, four legs, five legs, six legs. So if you're watching the video for this, you're seeing him drawing on the on the screen, which I was explaining to my kids who uh, had not seen, you know, they're younger and had not seen John Madden in his heyday. Explain how he, part of the charm of him is he knew a tremendous amount about football, but he he communicated in such an everyday, down home way, but still very knowledgeable, and he would have fun drawing on the screen and he would show you things, but it wasn't about perfect art. It was kind of a hash here, a hash there, an X there, an X there, boom, boom, boom. And then just all together uh, made you feel drawn in. And then uh, Pat Summerall, who was his longtime broadcast partner, certainly made him 
I, I think Madden was quoted one time saying, "Is I, I ramble a lot, and Summerall puts the periods on the end of my sentences that makes me look good." Uh, one other example of the fun that they had together during their broadcast was uh, and that, that Madden's known for is one time when the camera panned over to the sideline and you see two big orange containers for Gatorade, which became a thing for many years. They dump a big, uh, you know, batch of Gatorade on the, the winning coach's head. But this particular shot had two tubs of Gatorade, and then way down the bench, there was a third tub of Gatorade. And when the ca- camera panned over, here's what they had to say. I think what happened, there's always been, yeah, there's always been like a mother and father. Like this is a father bucket, this is a mother bucket, and since the last game, they had a baby bucket. So this is a baby bucket. So they got three now. There's always been two. One's going to go to Parcells, one's going to go to another assistant, and one will go to a player later in the game. I guess that clears up the question as to whether they're married or not. Well, yeah, well, they got married. Yeah, they got married in that baby bucket. That's Ruth's son over the right side and out of bounds by Steve Wilson. That's John Madden along with Pat Summerall weaving in the, in between all the serious stuff with the game itself, so to speak, the fun stuff uh, there. Uh, Madden, by the way, again, who passed away yesterday, won 16 Emmys for uh, for you know being a color commentator in sports, which is unheard of at how good he was. Uh, my kids only know him from listening to us play the video game uh, because by the time he retired in the late uh, 2000s, like 2008-9 or something like that, uh, they, you know, they were just getting started in life, so to speak. But here to chat about that a little bit, and I want to shift again toward uh, bigger, even bigger things in a little bit, is Rob Motti. Uh, and how are you doing, my friend? It's good to, uh, good to have you on board. Hey, Timmy, how are you? Merry Christmas to you and your listeners. Thank you. You guys had a good Christmas together, your family? We sure did. Our first uh, Christmas is residents of Florida, so it was it was uh, pretty odd to actually get some uh, grilling done on, on Christmas Day. So that was kind of cool, but uh, missed my family up north. That's for sure. It was a little different. Uh, my dad just celebrated his 84th birthday wow. yesterday, so uh, we had to do a little virtual uh, FaceTime singing Happy Birthday to him. So. That's kind of tough, but we do appreciate uh, all the blessings we have and, and the opportunity to be down here in, in beautiful, sunny Florida. Amen. Rob has been a longtime writer for the Associated Press and uh, covered the Eagles for a long time and has more recently become the, a pro football writer for the Associated Press, specifically doing football as opposed to baseball and other sports over the last uh, couple decades plus. Covered many, many Eagles games and even kind of a natural segue here perhaps your father celebrating year number 84 yesterday on the same day that uh, longtime football great John Madden passed away at age 85. Uh, did you get the chance to meet John? Uh, you know, did your career overlap with him at all when he would be in Philadelphia? It did, but, I, you know, I don't recall a meeting with John Madden. I don't recall bumping into him. You know, he was always... Uh, claustrophobic so i don't think he liked elevators so he may have got his own special elevator down from the link uh, press box or the vet press box because you know i started in 2000 so i believe his career went through 2008 and uh there certainly had to be times we were in the same press box but uh, it's not like harry callis who i remember in interactions or, or someone like that i just don't remember anything with madden other than you know i grew up I didn't know John Madden, the coach, but I knew John Madden, the broadcaster, and uh, I just—he was the best. I think he, he, his enthusiasm, his excitement, his ability 
to really um, discuss the game and, and translate it in a understandable manner was uh, was terrific. And uh, all all the nice things people are saying about him, uh, uh, it's pretty awesome to see the way he's being recognized. Uh, someone asked me today if. Uh, which Madden game was my favorite? I never played it. I've, I've never played Madden. Really? Video yeah, I, I'm just not much of a video game guy, and I, I never really have been. I mean, back when I was much younger, uh, Tecmo Bowl was the last thing I remember. I don't even know if that was Nintendo, Atari, what it was, but Tecmo Bowl was the last thing I remember playing. I played uh, I played Madden 07. That's the one game we had the last time I got it on Monday night, in fact, the night before John passed. With my son, Tim. That's about the only game I play that and like Mario Kart. I'm with you. I'm not a big video game guy. But when I saw him pass, I was thinking I I remember him as a coach and I remember him certainly as a broadcaster all those years. Enjoyed listening to him and then uh, playing the game and uh, larger than life in many ways. Uh, You know, but um, certainly this is just something to to throw your way. I, I, I was thinking of you on a few fronts. And one is you posted something recently on Facebook about what Nick Foles said after the game on Sunday when he came, you know, his third string uh, quarterback all season, he comes and helps the Bears win. I think the question to him was, do you feel vindicated? You know, the team has been sinking with you on the bench. You come in, you help them win a game. And, and he said, not at all. His identity is not in it. It's quite a, quite a thing. And you got to cover Nick for many years, too. Yeah, and, and for me, Nick is just one of the most genuine, most humble players I ever came across, one of the most uh, um, godly just he's he's an incredible man and and he's always been that way i covered him as a rookie i covered him uh as a pro bowl mvp i covered him as a super bowl mvp and as a backup and and he never changed he's always been the same guy and i I posted that clip uh on social media uh monday after seeing it because i i love when nick plays because anytime he that when he plays he's now he does news conferences and I, I like every news conference Nick Foles does is almost like a little sermon within news conference. And there's so many snippets that you can take out. And that was just one of a couple that I took out. And, and that particular one where he talks about his identity is, is in Christ and it's not in being a first string, second string, third string. I'm just Nick Foles. He says in that one. And, and I put it up there and on Twitter, it's like already had over 150,000 views or some some kind of crazy number, and and that's pretty cool to see something like that go viral. And, and what's even even greater is that the responses to that have been overwhelmingly positive, which is rare in this day and age, especially on, on uh, an app like Twitter where people love to be critical and just say negative things. But for Nick Foles, there's a lot of love in Philadelphia, and I, and I, and I always thought that nobody deserves it more than Nick. Absolutely. Well, thank you for sharing that. I'm sharing it with our listeners. And if folks want to keep up with you, obviously they can look you up, Rob Motti, in terms of the writing you do, but also your Faith in the Field show where they can get more athlete in-depth you know, conversations like what Nick shared about there, right? So just faithonthefieldshow.com, best way to find that? Yeah, that one's faithonthefieldshow.com and uh, at Rob Motti on uh, Twitter, Facebook, uh, at Real Rob Motti on Instagram. This weekend on Faith on the Field Show, very special episode. I speak to Kurt Schilling about his faith about his Hall of Fame uh, candidacy, and I reveal my uh, 2022 Baseball Hall of Fame ballot. Love it. Love it. Hugs for the wife and kids. We appreciate your time during the vacation here. Don't want to take up too much of your time, but thanks for carving out a little bit. And Merry Christmas. Happy New Year, my friend. Thank you, Timmy. Same to you and the listeners. Have, Have a good, good one. Bye-bye.
Srab Mahdi, who uh, covered the Eagles in this market and uh, was the head writer for the Associated Press for them and for the Phillies for two-plus decades, recently promoted to national football writer for the Associated Press. You spell his last name M-A-A-D-D-I. M as in Mary, A-A-D-D-I. You can look him up, Rob Mahdi, uh, as he mentioned on Twitter and other places, and Faith on the Field Show if you want to catch some of those interviews that he does. Longtime friend, solid man of God, and we're glad to have him on the program uh, which leads us uh, to our final break. And what I'm going to do at the other side of this is to play that Nick Foles clip for you. It's only about 40 seconds long, but it speaks volumes. Very clear, very just, it'll hit you in a good way, I think. And some encouragement from Scripture as well. That's come up in just a moment. It's Tim DeMoss Show on WFIL. Live and local. It's the Tim DeMoss Show, weekday afternoons 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. Our podcast continues. All right, it's 4.55 on the Tim DeMoss Show. Let me play this Nick Foles clip for you and then add a couple of thoughts from Romans chapter 10. Of course, you remember Nick Foles helped the Eagles win the Super Bowl almost four years ago. Hard to believe it has been that long already. Since then, he's experienced a lot of change in his professional life. Foles signed a big four-year contract in 2019 with Jacksonville. Only lasted a season there due to injury. Also was not very effective and wound up being traded to the Chicago Bears, where his status has fluctuated. Most recently, he's been the Bears' third-string quarterback and hadn't played in the game till uh, this past Sunday for almost a full year. The Bears actually started off with a, a you know good season. They were 3-1 and one earlier. Then they lost eight of nine games. The entire time, Foles is on the bench. They're 4-10. and 10, They're out of the playoff mix. And uh, due to injuries to their first stringer and second stringer, Foles was called into action this past Sunday against Seattle. Helped them uh, come from behind with a touchdown pass about a minute ago. They did a two-point conversion and won 25-24. And after the game, Foles was asked if he felt any kind of vindication, uh, you know, kind of like I've been on the bench all this time. Uh, you could have used me a lot earlier. I won a Super Bowl, don't you know, and all that. And here's what he had to say. I knew my teammates needed me because of the situation. It's been really unique this year in Chicago. There's no vindication. It's just I did my job. I said it a couple years ago in a press conference. I played a playoff game against a team, and I said it doesn't matter if you're the first string, second string, or third string. you got to know who you are as a human being and what's your identity. It can't be in this game. It's got to be in something greater, and I've always said mine's in Jesus Christ. And I was a third-string quarterback tonight. I was just a third-string. That's my label, but at the end of the day, that's not who I am. I'm, I'm just Nick Foles. I just go out there and I play. I, I lean on my teammates. Um, I go to work. It doesn't matter. There's going to be trials and adversity in life. You have to figure out how to find joy in them. And once again, I'm grateful for my teammates for being there for me. Love that. Nick Foles, former Eagle. Such clarity and such truth. Uh, I want to encourage you, if you've listened to this program for any length of time, it's based on John 3.16, which says, For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And so, especially as radio is a private medium, we know some folks who listen are not believers, not yet. Others are. And we hope this program and this station reflects that and puts the truth of God's word out there, but also helps you have the opportunity to consider and think about what he has to say. Romans 10, 9 through 15 says, If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and with your mouth that you confess and are saved. Uh, as Scripture says, anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. 
For there's no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one who they've not believed in? How can they believe in the one they've not heard? And how can they hear one uh, without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they're sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. There is a way to know what will happen when you die. I want you to know that. You can have that security, that certainty. Nothing in this world can touch or interfere with. Be encouraged to know that and act on it if you haven't already. Romans 10, 9 through 15 says so. The encouragement also to you, have eyes for people in your life and be prayerful for them. Could be family, friends, people you might not have regular contact with, but could pray for just the same. You don't necessarily have to know where they are with the Lord. And in a way, you don't have to know in order to pray, but you can pray. We go through life one time. Be encouraged to be mindful of those around you and to be in prayer. Thanks for listening. Looking forward to doing the program again tomorrow. Have a wonderful evening. Thanks for listening to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. Feel free to tune in to the full show each weekday afternoon from 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.